Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Matthew 18, first four verses. Now, once we finish reading, don't, don't close your Bible because we'll be back. We'll be back. Matthew 18, first four verses. This is about that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Notice that the question that started the conversation that Jesus is about to have with them um, was a kingdom question. And Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins, disciples, and become like little children, you'll never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now, Jesus said, listen, if you're going to operate in my kingdom, if you're going to be great in my kingdom, if you're even going to get into my kingdom, you're going to have to learn to humble yourself like a child. Humility is the hallmark of King Jesus and the hallmark of his kingdom. Every follower of Jesus uh, has to learn to walk in humility. Pride has to be searched for, found out, and rooted out in the, in the lives and the, and the uh, attitudes and the motives and the actions of every believer. It must not be tolerated because pride is the opposite of faith. And the only way to please God is in faith. Faith is the total surrender uh, and the total dependence upon God for everything. The opposite of that is pride, because pride is the total dependence and the total surrender to yourself for everything. So pride makes you focus on what you think is best for you. The kingdom demands humility so that you can focus on what's good for the kingdom. Now this is week eight of a series that's called Humility, the Key to Childlike Faith. And as we begin to wrap up the, uh, the, the series over the next few weeks, I'd like us to focus on the things that will kill pride and help us walk in the character and nature of Jesus. Now today, I want us to look at a passage uh, that's right here in Matthew 18 that's really been eating at me for, for a number of weeks. I've been anxious to get this to you, and, and the Lord has finally released me to be able to do that today. It's also found here in Matthew 18, just a few verses down from the ones that we just read, where Jesus started this kingdom conversation with his disciples. So if you'll look at the passage, you'll see that he's still talking about his kingdom. So Matthew 18, go down to verse 21 with me. Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Peter thought he was being really generous. Seven times? And Jesus said, no, not seven times. Seventy times seven. And if you look in the the other uh, passages in the Gospels, you'll realize that it was 490 times for the same person, for the same offense, in the same day. In other words, Jesus was like, listen, there's there's no limit on it. There's no top 
for your generosity and your forgiveness. Verse 23, look at what he says. Therefore the kingdom of heaven, so he's still answering their question about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his kids, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I'll pay it all. And then his master was filled with pity for him or compassion for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. Now, the circumstances of this parable are really easy to follow. The man owes the king money, way more than he'll ever be able to pay. The law says the king can seize all of his assets and throw him and his entire family into debtor's prison until all the money is paid back. The man begs for more time. But instead of giving him more time, the king very graciously tells the man that he's free from his debt and free to go back home. Now, here's an easy question, not a trick question. This is easy. Was, the, was this king a humble king or an arrogant king? He was a humble king. He was humble. Why? Because even though he had the right to enforce the law and judgment against this man, he chose instead to surrender his rights for the benefit of someone else. Now, I want you to pay attention to this. Arrogant people always protect their rights. Humble people surrender them. Arrogant people are always figure, trying to figure out how can I protect my rights? How can I defend myself? How can I get more under, under the details and the, the minutia of the law? Humble people just freely give. That's what Jesus talked about in the second mile faith he, he discussed, right? Just don't even worry about what the law says. Just give it to them. Just give it to them. Humble people surrender their rights. The king said to himself, this is not written, but this has to be the mental, uh, the, the mental process he went through. The king said, listen, I got more than I'm ever going to need. The money that you owe me is really nothing to me. Like my life has not changed since I let you borrow this money. It, it's significant. But holding you to it won't improve my life a bit. It's more of a blessing to you to be released from it than it is for me to hold on to it. So just go and be blessed. Right? That's humility. That's humility. But notice where that humility led him. That's generosity. Humble people are generous people. Humble people are generous people. They're givers they live open-handedly. Well, how do we know that? Well, we all know that Lucifer's legacy is pride. Lucifer's legacy in our life is pride. Well, how did Jesus describe Lucifer in, in, in John 10? He said, he said, the devil comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. Isn't that what he said? Lucifer only takes things from others. He steals them. He destroys them so they can't have them, or he takes your life so that you can't enjoy those things. He only takes. Jesus is a giver. Jesus is a giver. He's, how do you know? For God so loved the world that he gave. Jesus said in the same verse where he said, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, I came to, to give you life, to give you abundant, rich, satisfying life. Jesus is only a giver. He's the creator of all things. He literally gave us the earth 
and all its fullness. He's the giver of all good and perfect gifts. He, he makes the rain fall on the just and the unjust. Our Jesus is a giver. Not because he has to be, because God ain't got to do anything. He's a giver because he chooses to be, and he chooses to walk in humility. If we're going to be like Jesus, which is his will and his expectation for every believer, then we're going to have to allow generosity to flow from our lives. The king was humble in the way he dealt with this man. His humility overflowed into generosity. Now I want you to, I want you to see this today too. Proud people see possessions as their source. Humble people see the source of their possessions. Proud people see possessions as, as their source. That's why they hold on to them. Humble people see the source, capital S, of their possessions. See, a proud king would have said, the money you owe me is how I fund my kingdom and, and, and how I provide for my house. If I let you slip on what you owe me, how am I going to be able to afford to maintain the lifestyle to which we have become accustomed? I want my money, I want it in full, and I want it now. Right? You get, you get real close-fisted when your source gets threatened. You say, yeah, those rich people, man, those rich people are like that. Listen, generosity is not a function of net worth. It has nothing to do with that. Lot, there are lots of very generous rich people who live open-handedly. There are also a lot of poor people who are proud and stingy. Okay? So it has nothing to do with net worth. I grew up poor, and, and growing up poor made me stingy. It made me close-fisted. I, I've had to work, and the Holy Spirit's worked on me for years. It, it was, it's rooted in fear that you're not going to have enough, but, but it's, it's also pride because you think you deserve what, you, what little you have. You're like, bless God, that's mine. I'm holding on to it. I'm going to do what I want to with it. That's pride. I deserve to keep what I... That's pride. I I'd had trouble acknowledging or recognizing that my source was not my income. My source was not my assets. It was not my net worth. My source was Jesus. So proud people hold on to what they think is theirs. The humble king was generous to give what actually did belong to him. Now, let's keep reading. Matthew 18, pick up at verse 28. When the man left the king, so this guy just got released from millions of dollars of debt. He left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. And he grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down, does this sound familiar? Fell down before him, begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it in full. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. Real simple question. This one's easy too. Was this man humble or proud? How do we know that? Because humble people give. Proud people take. Humble people release. Proud people demand. Humble people are open-handed. Proud people are closed-fisted. In this case, the man literally closed his fist around the throat of the man who owed him just a small fraction of what he'd just been released from and demanded immediate payment in full. 
not a humble man at all. So that's the, that's the first point today, that humility develops generosity. If you are going to be a person who operates in humility in the kingdom, that will lead to developing generosity in you. Now let's keep reading. Matthew 18, verse 31. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. Very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. The king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant. I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. And then don't miss the the last verse of this passage. Jesus said, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. And don't forget, it was Peter that asked the question about how many times we should forgive. Jesus told this long story and then came back with this conclusion. Hey, don't, I hadn't forgot about forgiveness. And that's what's going to happen to you if you don't learn to forgive. If you refuse to operate in humility, pride chokes out generosity. And eventually, that becomes impossible to hide. And when that lack of generosity comes to the surface, instead of seeing humility... People see hypocrisy. Instead of humility, they see hypocrisy. This man was a hypocrite. Right? Isn't isn't that among the things you would call this man? A hypocrite. Hypocrisy is the logical progression of a person who isn't generous. Well, how's that? What does hypocrisy have to do with generosity? Well, let me show it to you in Matthew 10, verse 1 and verse 8. Matthew 10, Jesus called his 12 disciples together, gave them authority to cast out evil spirits, to heal every kind of disease and illness. So where did this authority come from? Jesus gave it to the disciples. Now look at verse 8. He looked at the disciples. He's about to send them out. He said, go heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons, give as freely as you have received. Jesus said, here's the authority to heal and to deliver. I'm giving it to you. It's my power. It's my, it, it's my authority. It's for my kingdom purposes. These are my people that I'm sending you to. So go give it to them. You freely received it from me. Now go freely give it. Now he said it in this specific instance, but it's a universal application. It's a universal truth. What you freely receive, you should freely give. Well, what upset the people in this parable? Uh, the parable about the king. What, was, what did the people get upset about? They saw that this man had received abundant mercy and forgiveness. Y'all, millions of dollars, that is abundant. I don't, I don't care how you slice it. He received abundant mercy and forgiveness from the king, but he failed to pass on what he received. Now, there's lots of definitions floating around for hypocrisy, but, but think about this. Hypocrisy is when you fail to freely give what you have freely received. You're a hypocrite when you don't freely give what you freely receive. Let me put it another way. Hypocrisy is when God can't get through you what he gave to you. Hypocrisy is when God can't get through you what he gave to you. It's pride. 
It's pride. Somehow you, you think somehow you deserve to keep what God gave you to steward. That somehow other people don't deserve to receive what God gave you for them. And when that happens, or that other people don't deserve to receive what God did for you. And when you do that, you are dangerously close to to, uh, believing that you deserve what you got from God. Here's why that's dangerous. Because one, it dismisses the necessity, dismisses and disrespects the necessity of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. If we can earn our own forgiveness, if we got what we deserved and we got forgiveness, then that means what Jesus did on the cross was unnecessary. And the second thing is, if you really want God to give you what you deserve, you'll spend eternity in hell. This kind of hypocrisy is rooted in pride. And we got to get that out. We got to get that out. What's the number one reason? Y'all ever invite anybody to church? Uh, no? Okay. Well, let me tell you about it. When you invite people, or maybe you're just like, yeah, but I don't want to talk about it. Because why? What happens when you invite people to church? What's the number one reason that people give for not going to church? Oh, yeah, I used to go to church. I don't want to go to church anymore because it's full. Y'all, t- y'all, did we all invite the same dude? It's full of hypocrites. What do they mean? Well, Jesus said he came not to condemn, but to set people free. Right? But what people see is a whole bunch of people who claim to have received freedom from Jesus, but they got nothing but judgment and condemnation for everybody else. Hypocrite. Hypocrite. They freely received, but they are not freely giving. They see people who praise God that they've been blessed financially by the Lord, but ask the waitresses who work the Sunday crowd who the worst tippers are. Remember when Jesus and the disciples hung out in the temple and hung out by the offering plates or the offering uh, receptacles? Most of you remember this story. It's about the widow's mite. Basically, it was like two cents. This, this little lady had like two pennies, and the humble widow gave everything she had, and she got Jesus' attention, right? But uh, it, it wasn't much, but it was all she had, and she was glad to give it. What did the arrogant Pharisees do? They had tons of money because they had cheated people out of it. They had tons of money. They didn't need for anything, but they only gave a small portion of their huge abundance that they had. And, and worse than that, they made sure that they put those coins in, uh, in the empty containers so, so that the metal coins would make lots of noise in those empty metal containers. They wanted everybody to believe them to be generous when in reality they weren't. They were hypocrites. They were hypocrites. What does our world see? Our world sees people who claim to have the Spirit of God living inside of them, but ask those same waitresses or cashiers at the grocery store who the rudest customers are. They just came from church, supposed still dressed nice, right? Still maybe got the, the, the bulletin hanging out your shirt pocket, but they, they, they're supposed to be full of the Holy Spirit, but they got no love, no joy, no peace, no kindness, no patience. They got nothing. Nothing, no fruit for anybody else. Nothing that anybody else would ever want. 
Whatever they claim to have freely received has somehow got damned up inside by their pride. Hypocrite. You let somebody who's fallen on hard times go to the local bar or pub. And they walk in there and somebody's going to buy them a drink. And they're going to pass the hat and they're going to try to help this guy and his family out of the jam. You let the same person walk into the church, the ones who claim to have received the love of the Father and the blessings of the Father and the forgiveness and the mercy of the Father, and those same people will walk all the way around to the other side of the church to, be, to avoid being asked for anything. Like people be ducking out these side doors. You'd be like, I don't even know where this goes, but I got to get up out of here before somebody asks me for something. Before my, before my afternoon gets complicated. Before I have to get involved in somebody else's crisis. Right? Integrity is the cure for hypocrisy. Integrity. And we got a famine of integrity in the American church. Integrity is an outgrowth of of humility. We should be the same everywhere we go. Right? We, we recognize, how do we do that? What does humility have to do with that? Because we recognize that everything we have comes from the king and it's supposed to be used for the kingdom. So we can't afford to be different in one place or, or another place. In one situation, another situation. A person of integrity uh, understands that everything that they have freely received, they should freely give. And believers should be the most generous people in the world. I'm not going to take up another offering, y'all, so please go ahead and say amen. All right? We should be the most generous people in the world. Generous with grace. Generous with forgiveness. Generous with mercy. Generous with compassion. Generous with their time. With their, with their talents. With, yes, with their money. Open hands, open hearts, and smiling faces. Why? Because everything we have, we received from God and it had nothing to do with us. That should make us the happiest people in the world. But if you walk, if you allow pride to damn up what God gives you, you won't be known as joyful and generous. You'll be known as a stingy hypocrite. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that what y'all call them when they're not talking about you? Like when you're talking about other people? It's a stingy hypocrite right there. It's much easier to be more generous with other people's money or other people's time or other people's attitudes than it is your own. But when you damn up what God gave to you to distribute, including the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, all of that, God not only doesn't get the glory, it repels people from him. That's why you can't invite people to church. Right? Jesus said this to the Pharisees, Matthew 23 and 13. This is, one of the, this is one of the coolest, sad, but cool word pictures. Jesus said, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You won't go in yourself 
and you don't let others enter either. We have too many people, too many religious people who think they're following Jesus, but who are not actually following him in their lives and on the inside. They're only following him on the outside. The people outside the the church can see it, and so they can't get to Jesus, and the Pharisees, the religious people, won't get to Jesus. Pride not only keeps them from God, prevents other people from getting there too. And here's the question that demands to be asked. When people look at your life, do they see the generosity and integrity of Jesus or the proud, closed hand of a Pharisee? Listen, it's not even, about, it's not even just about money. When, when something needs to be done at work, do you lend a hand or do you say, that ain't my job? I'm going to let that one set in for a second. That ain't my job. Do you live by the golden rule that Jesus taught? Do unto others what you would have them do unto you if you were in that situation? Like, do you ever consider what it must be like for another person? What about people who come to church and they don't appear to know, like, where stuff is? They don't appear to be familiar with our church or maybe with church in general. How could you make their lives easier or less stressful in that moment? Not even just in the church. What about in the store or just wherever you are? There are kingdom opportunities everywhere. If we'll just, well, I can't say it like that. Um, If we'll just open our eyes. If we'll just open our eyes. It's generosity. It's generosity. When you walk away after you've helped somebody, what they see is generosity. It might not cost you a dime. They see generosity. As humble followers of Jesus, we have to develop generosity and maintain integrity. The Holy Spirit will help you. And he'll have to help you because you are completely unable to do it without him. But it will require that you be honest and open about your actions, your attitudes, and your motives as the Holy Spirit reveals them to you. You see, a proud person thinks possession indicates rights and power, but that's not the case. What we've been given has been given with the expectation that we'll let it flow out of us as well. Remember, proud people see possessions as their source. Humble people see the source of their possessions. Let's go back to the last verse in that passage, Matthew 18 and 35. We have, to, we have to look at this again because this was the conclusion that Jesus drew from the parable that he, uh, that he just told. That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Jesus is very clearly talking about extending forgiveness to those who've hurt us. Just flat out states it. And he says, any follower of his who doesn't give forgiveness, the Father will hand them over to the tormentors until his debt is paid. Jesus said in what we call the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father, if we don't forgive others' sins against us, we don't get forgiven of our own. I've seen it over and over again in my life in ministry. People who are tormented, by things from their past, 
things that were done to them, about them, said about them, bad situations. But they're haunted by them. They're tormented by them. And they mistakenly think that it's the event or it's the person or it's that offense that caused their pain. It's not. It was initially, but now they're being tormented by their own unforgiveness. And I've seen it over and over again. When they choose forgiveness for that individual or, or for themselves, because the hardest person to forgive is looking at you in the mirror, right? No matter how horrible or how heinous the event or the offense, when they choose to forgive, they find peace that they never thought was even possible. You say, well, how can a person do that? I, can't, I just can't let people off the hook like that. Because they realize that King Jesus forgave them of a debt that was impossible for them to pay. And so they were, who were they not to extend the same forgiveness? They freely received it. They have to freely give it. They gave up their right to hold open an account because their account had been closed. It's pride that makes you think you've got a right to hold on to what God intended to pass through you. It's pride that makes you think that what you did is beyond forgiveness, or what that person did is beyond forgiveness when our perfect and holy King Jesus already forgave it. Are we, are we better than Jesus? Or when you hold yourself to something that you won't forgive yourself, you got forgiveness from Jesus, but you won't forgive yourself? Are you, are you more holy and righteous than he? Who are you to hold yourself accountable when he doesn't hold you accountable? Right? This king did have a right to hold that man accountable. But his humility allowed mercy to flow like a river. And that's what we've got to do. We have to start. If we don't do that, we start to die inside tormented by our pride, tormented by our unforgiveness, by our lack of generosity. It's an oft-used illustration, so if you've, if you've heard it before, please forgive me, but it's just too perfect not to use it again. The Dead Sea is in southeastern Israel. It is famous for two things. It's the saltiest water on the earth, and it's the lowest point that you can reach by land. It's about 1,300 feet below sea level. Now, do you know what makes the water salty? Well, the Jordan River starts in the mountains of uh, northeastern Israel, and it flows down into the Sea of Galilee. And that huge Sea of Galilee is a lake that's fresh and clear and teeming with fish and, and all kinds of life. That lake actually provides about a quarter of all the drinking water in all of Israel. They pump it all over the, all over the country. Um, the Jordan flows into the top of the lake, and then it, it continues in the lake and flows out the, the, the south end of the lake down into the northern tip of the, of the Dead Sea. In, in contrast to the Sea of Galilee, though, nothing lives in the Dead Sea because <clears throat> it's dead. That's why they call it that. It, the water is just way saltier, way saltier than even the ocean and it quickly kills any fish that may have swam with the current downstream from the Sea of Galilee. As soon as it gets into the Dead Sea, it stops. It stops, it, it, and it dies. The, it, the, the, the difference is that once it gets to the Dead Sea, there's no outlet. 
nothing comes, it goes in the top, nothing comes out the other end. The Jordan flows in, nothing flows out. So all that water just stops and evaporates. And all the salt and the sediment and the phosphates and all of that stuff that came down, all those chemicals just increase over and over and over again through time. If you allow the blessings of God to flow into your life, but not flow out, it's only a matter of time before the toxicity of pride and stinginess will begin to choke the spiritual life out of you. There has to be an outlet. There has to be a way for God to get out of you what he put into you for kingdom purpose. You say, John, but you don't know what's going on in, in my life. I, I've been in the, I'm at the lowest point I've ever been. I don't even want to get out of bed sometimes. Listen, I get that. I'm not, I've been there. I'm not discounting the depth of your, uh, of your despair in this moment. I'm simply saying the Dead Sea is at the lowest point on the face of the earth. But the fact is, if it could somehow find an outlet that stagnant water would begin to stir and flow and life would return to it, given enough time. The key to bringing life back into your, into your existence is generosity and integrity. Listen, when you are in the midst of despair, go find somebody else to help. You have got to get your mind off of yourself. You've got to get yourself out of the center of your universe. You, you may not even have two nickels to rub together. This, listen, it, is, it includes money, but this is not all about money. If you ain't got two nickels to rub together, go give kindness to somebody who needs some. Go give mercy. Go give encouragement. Give so prayer into somebody's life. You've been blessed with way more than you think And when you start helping somebody else, you start to see all the ways that God has blessed you. Just find ways to give so that life and freshness can return to your existence. You'll be surprised what a difference it makes. A difference in you and a difference in the kingdom. Let me ask you a few things today. What are you holding on to? that God's given you for his glory and not for your pleasure? What are you claiming as your own that God only gave you to steward for him? It's not really yours, it's his. What are you damning up that God wants you to release? Here's the other side of that. Are you being tormented? Do you feel like your life is being tormented today well isn't today a good day to get healed and set free isn't today a good day to stop the torment isn't today a good day to find peace let's determine all of us let's determine to be generous generous men and women of integrity not stingy not hypocrites not proud let's determine to operate humbly in the kingdom of God for his honor for his glory thy kingdom come thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven y'all stand with me please
So the praise team's going to come sing a song in just a second. This altar is open. I'm going to pray. If you want to pray about, about this message, you want to pray about whatever else is going on in your life, then this altar is open for you to do that. And I want you to, I want you to come. If you sense the Holy Spirit drawing you, you're like, I don't even know how to put a name on it. I just feel like I'm supposed to come to the altar. Then just come and pray. Just come pray. Because if the Holy Spirit's drawing you, then, then he's going to meet you here. He's going to meet you here, and he's going to speak to you, and he's going to love on you, and he's going to provide answers to the questions you've been asking. So if you need to pray about this or any other thing that's going on in your life, let's do that right now. Okay, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that, um, that you hurt our feelings sometimes just to make us healthier, make us grow, to make us more like you. So, Lord, I pray that today you would, you would uh, help us to respond appropriately to this word, uh, to your word. And God, I pray that you, would, um, that you would draw every person to this altar today that you want to meet here. Lord, would you, would you heal and deliver and set free? Lord, for that person who's been hurt and wounded and who is suffering the consequences because they haven't been able to bring themselves to forgive because they think they have to hold them accountable. Lord, help them to see that you're the judge. You're the judge. You're the one who holds people accountable. And Lord, I pray that you give them the courage and the strength to set that person free today and forgive them so that they can be free of this torment today. Lord, help us to see all the ways that we can be generous to all the people around us and to your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.